In life, we don't have many moments where we find ourselves really, truly surprised, especially if we're talking about surprise in a good way, like a good, positive, the kind of surprise you want. Those don't come around all that often. Negative surprises, we expect those sometimes, don't we? We know that you're going to get that random bill you didn't know was coming. You might get medical news you're not looking forward to. You might hear something about your car. That seems to be our story at times. You get that kind of news, and that could be a surprise. But good, positive surprises, we don't receive that very often. And when they do, that's a special, special thing. For all our children, we decided that we were going to wait until they were born to find out their genders. Now, this is no critique on you if you decided to do this differently. That's totally fine. For those of you here in person in Lehighton or Palmerton or online, you do whatever you want. You can be surprised through a card, an envelope. You can be surprised through a cake, through a balloon. You can blow up whatever you want for Facebook or YouTube or wherever you post these things out there. You can figure this out any way you want. That's totally fine. Not a critique on that. But we recognize there aren't many surprises out there, and we wanted to allow this surprise to last as long as it could to build the moment. And so we waited until their birth for us to find out, boy or girl. Now, as a dad, I had the wonderful privilege of being at each one of our children's births and being as involved as I possibly can be in the right kind of ways. I know for the most part, my job is to be an encouragement in those moments and otherwise to keep my mouth shut and kind of stay off to the side. Don't be a distraction, be encouragement, know that you're mostly useless in these moments, and that's okay. After the baby arrived, though, that's when I could start to be more useful. I had the wonderful opportunity to cut each one of our kids' umbilical cords, and I can remember one of those particular moments when, we're going to call it juice, shot up my arm. My initial thought was, great decision wearing a short sleeve shirt. Great decision. You would... You would never have looked at that shirt the same way. Never looked at it quite the same way. But I had the wonderful privilege of seeing their gender and calling out girl or boy for the world and then knowing the, the names that we had chosen, being able to announce that to the world for the first time. What a wonderful surprise for us, for the world, for everyone to be able to participate in that moment. Great surprises, good, positive surprises. They don't come around all that often. And when they do, we need to lean in to those wonderful moments. We need to lean into those. Here in this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, what was read a few moments ago here at each of our campuses and online, we find one of these moments, a uniquely special moment of surprise. And what I think is even more special about it is who is the one who is amazed? Who is surprised in this scripture? Jesus is. Jesus is surprised. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in just for a second. Jesus, Jesus is surprised. Does that even happen? If it wouldn't have happened and said it here in scripture, I would have almost told you that is actually impossible, that Jesus could be amazed, surprised at something, but yet here he is, Jesus the one who wasn't surprised when he could calm storms, multiply food, heal sicknesses. The one who wasn't surprised with the events of his life. He knew about his approaching death. He understood his resurrection. The most amazing and surprising moment the history of the world has ever seen was no new news to him, right? He didn't, he didn't have that. But here is Jesus, that Jesus surprised. And what is it that surprised him even 
we could even almost say flabbergasted him. I know, I know. If you look at other translations of this moment, it says that Jesus, different translations will say that he, Jesus marveled. Different translations will say that he was astonished or that he wondered. I think we could say, maybe we're stretching a little bit, but if you can use the word flabbergasted, we got to use that word. We have to use that word. I think you could say that Jesus in this moment is slightly at least flabbergasted. What is the thing that flabbergasted or at least greatly surprised Jesus? Faith. An individual's faith surprised Jesus. Today in these moments, we're going to talk about faith. What faith is. Why it's so important to us. How it can change our lives. And even how it can be a wonderful surprise. As we begin, may we recognize our faith is of utmost importance to God. May we remember what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says. It says, without faith it is what? It is impossible to please God. Our faith, my faith, your faith is that important. May our faith be real. May our faith not just be something that is believed. May our faith be something that is lived. And may it be a wonderful surprise to ourselves, to our world. And maybe, maybe even may our faith be a surprise to Jesus. Let's pray as we begin. God, as we study this moment in Scripture and in history, God, we ask that you would draw out your truths to our heart. Guide us as we seek to live for you and to do so confidently. And for anyone doubting their faith this morning, God, here in person, at Palmerton, at Lehighton, online, wherever they at, if they have a doubt in their heart of their faith, God, I ask that you would give them security in that and in their eternity. But God, also give them the passion to recognize that their faith is about the here and now as well. Give them the passion and the encouragement to live out their faith in this world. Bless us all in this, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we begin, it's important to realize where we're at in this moment in Scripture. This is the book of Luke that we're looking at, and that's important for us. It makes sense for us as we look at why this story is here in Scripture. The book of Luke is one of the Gospels, and so those are the books of the Bible that are written about Jesus' life, his death, his stories, his miracles, all of those things Jesus is teaching. But the book of Luke was specifically written to the Gentile people. So reading that, not the Jewish people. This was in some ways written for us Potentially, This was not written for the Jewish people, but the Gentile people. In some ways, this was written to help those who weren't in that regular faith. And so in some ways, it was taking Christianity from Jerusalem to Rome, you could say, and then even to us. That's what this was written for. And that's important for us to realize because this, this book, this book of Luke, this gospel of Luke was written and talks about Jesus's life. And it matters because it's trying to include us in the understanding of Jesus's life. And this is saying to us even right now, it's saying that when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to having Jesus as a part of your life, when it comes to him being in who you are and being a part of his family, it's telling us this right away initially It's saying race and position and standing and tradition in the past 
All those things that would normally we would think matters, none of that matters to belonging with God, with Jesus. This is saying one thing matters to being a part of Jesus's family for each and every one of us, for you. One thing matters, and that is your faith. That is your faith. Belonging to the kingdom of God, God's family, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, none of that matters. What matters? Faith matters. Now, I know we all often have questions about belonging when it comes to belonging. A lot of life is trying to decide if we fit in in a certain place or not. And then the struggle to try to fit in with certain crowds, certain places. We wonder to ourselves, has, has my past, has my present circumstances, has the things that I've done or not done, the things that I've been given, the things that I have, the things I have in my bank account or at my house, do any of those things, do, do, do I have enough to belong? Do I have enough to, that I can participate with this? What does it take Am I good enough? For all of us, all that matters, all that we need, all that you need, all that will ever make a difference is your faith. Your faith is what matters. So surprise number one for you in this, as we talk about surprises, let's have a few surprises. Hopefully this isn't a surprise to you, but maybe it is. Surprise number one, you belong. If you have faith, you belong. That's all that it takes. It's believing in Jesus Christ, believing in God. And I want you to hear that and know that you belong here. But more importantly, you belong with God. You are a part of his family. You belong You don't have to bring any kind of other measurements. You don't have to collect some certain kind of deeds. You don't have to build this up, have some kind of great story. You belong. Let that surprise sink into your heart and mind. You belong. Now, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10 is an incredible moment of faith, surprising faith. What is partly surprising about it is is because it comes from a Roman Depending on your scripture translation of the Bible, it might say a Roman centurion or Roman officer. As you heard him talk and he described his own position. He's in some leadership. He's not the biggest leader, Roman leader in the world, but he's up there in leadership. And so it comes from this Roman officer. So not a person who is a religious leader, not one of Jesus' disciples, not even someone originally of Jewish faith, Jewish tradition. His faith is incredible. As we read what happens, this Roman centurion officer asked Jesus to heal a beloved servant. And he expects and knows that Jesus can do that. And his faith further was in Jesus and in what Jesus could do that he didn't even ask. He, he sent people out to tell Jesus, stop, you don't even come here. I have enough faith and belief in what you can do that you don't even need to be present with this person to heal them. I believe that you can just say healing from wherever you're at and I just know how things work. You're going to be healed. This Roman was apparently speaking from an officer, not as a parent, because he expected that whatever he said was actually going to get done. And, and that's, those are his thoughts in that. And I guess I sort of understand that. He said, Jesus, if you say it, it will be done. He has faith. What is our faith like? What is my faith like? What is your faith like? When I think about faith, I sometimes think that this is one of those religious or Christian words that we can use a lot. And the unfortunate thing of using it a lot and using it in different circumstances and for different reasons is it gets muddied and it sort of 
its, it's full understanding for us just tends to disappear. Because I could ask us all what faith is, and we'd probably come up with lots of different thoughts to that. So I think it's important that we unpack that a little bit. Certain things in Christianity here at church, they can, they can get kind of muddied and disappear. If, if you're here at Cherryville in person, you've noticed that we are painting our foyer out there. Palmerton and Lee Heighton, those of you joining us online, in a few weeks, you're going to want to stop by and see how things turn out. But in this process with new painting, we're thinking about new signage as well. That's really important. We have to have something that looks and matches and, and feels good in that. And so that's raised some questions for us. What kind of signs should be there? Are the signs that we have working? Some signs are really, really easy. There are the two big ones, bathroom and coffee. Those are the two big ones. Bathroom, you got to have those, bathroom and coffee. That's like church central right there, bathroom and coffee. And we, don't, we could say those however we want, and we all understand bathroom and coffee, don't we? We know what those mean. Those can be pretty clear, but, but that we get. There are some other ones that are decently easy to understand, but they're essential. We have signs about where the kids go, kids check in, that kind of stuff. Those signs, we need them pretty easy to understand. It makes sense. And, and we've all seen the signs about where complaints go, and those make sense to you, right? You've seen the signs for complaints You've seen those, correct? Come on, you've seen those. They're the only signs in the whole building that are red and they light up. We shortened it. It doesn't say complaints. It just says exit, but you go through there to <laughs> offer complaints. Just keep following them. Follow those. You'll get somewhere where you can, I'm kidding, obviously. I'm not really kidding. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super kidding. But yeah, you can, you can find those. Here's the thing. Here's a the, here's the tricky one though. We call this place right here, and we have one of these spaces at Palmerton and Lee Heighton as well. We call it the Ministry Center. They, they were called in the past the sanctuary. You can refer to it that. Some places call it the Worship Center. But I have to ask myself, if you're brand new here, and you're especially brand new to Christianity, which is what we want, right? We want people who don't know about Jesus to come here, hear that good news. And I ask myself, Ministry Center, does it say it? We're probably going to still put up Ministry Center because that's what we call this place, but it's in my brain because if I could put on the sign what I wanted it to say, it would say is if you're here and you're looking for the place where the service happens and you want to be there and feel good about yourself, just come in these doors. You're very welcome. That's what I want the sign to say. We can't print that. We can't put that on the thing, but that's what I want it to say and want to be there. I was in an airport this week. Oh my, so many signs. Some of them I understood, some of them I did not, and they just added to the confusion. What do they all mean? What do we take for granted? Here's the thing, this word faith, it's like that in Christianity. What does it mean? What do we take for granted? Let's start at the basics. Faith starts internally. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I learned this when I was a little kid. It says, for faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is our belief in something. So specifically for us as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, faith is our belief in God and Jesus Christ in this world. That is the basis and the start. That is what faith is. And that is initially our saving faith. So if you hear someone say saving faith, that is our saving faith. The faith that we have, just that little bit of initial faith, that is what saves us. John three sixteen says, whoever believes in God believes has that faith, will have eternal life. We aren't saved by good deeds. We aren't saved by any lifestyle lived. We are saved by our faith, by believing. Saved by faith. But faith can go past this. 
Please hear this. Faith is not just for eternity. It is for the here and now. We know that faith can change lives and change them right now. It can impact the world around us. In Matthew 17, verse 20, it, we are told that with the faith of a mustard seed, a tiny little seed, you can move mountains. Now, I know the point of that is to say that you don't need a lot of faith to do a big thing. Jesus was trying to say with just a little thing, you can do something huge, big, and amazing. But does anyone else, or is it just me, that wishes you had some kind of faith measuring cup so you knew what you had and you knew what you could do with it? I've always wished for that. I could fill something with like, oh, I want to be able to tangibly know that I've got this much faith and this much faith means I can accomplish that. But I don't have it. And you don't either. And, and I find myself in moments where I wonder, do I have enough to do something? I can't hold my faith in a, in a tangible way. Is it real? Is it enough? Because sometimes I do have doubts. I won't speak for you. You don't have doubts. You're good. I, this is just me. Sometimes I have questions. There are lots of things I don't understand and I have to leave up to God. Sometimes about understanding the scripture. Sometimes just about understanding why certain things have happened in life the way they've happened. And I've got questions. Some of my prayers have been answered in big, big ways. I've seen God do some things that could only be done by God. And sometimes I've had prayers that are said no to. Prayers that I have to ask myself, was my faith the issue? Did you ever have that question? Did I just not have enough? Did I do something wrong? That this didn't come about? That's where this moment of scripture offers so much value. In this passage, two words stuck out to me as particularly meaningful. The first one we covered right away is it really struck me that it said that Jesus was amazed and surprised. And that was fun, but I had to look into that to make sure that that was true. Jesus was amazed. The second word that stood out to me was the thing that amazed, that surprised him so much. Faith. Faith. That's our other word of meaning. The word for faith used here in Luke takes us we, its understanding takes us past just an internal faith where it begins. Now, please understand, and this is the confusing thing when we start to define faith, we start to think this is some kind of separate other kind of faith. Please understand, this is the same faith. It's the same faith completely. This isn't a separate kind or different kind of faith. It is the same faith. It's the same thing. It's just really the next step in that faith. This word for faith means to have a strong belief. We've talked about that already. But this particular word means to have a strong belief that it leads us to action. It's a faith that is alive. It is active. It is not just held inside. It is lived out for you and for the world and for Jesus to see. This is the kind of faith that brings about amazement and surprise and wonder and astonishment and maybe just maybe flabbergasting someone. This is that kind of faith. It is faith that impacts the world. It is the faith that the Roman centurion, the Roman officer had. And so surprise number two for you is please hear this. You can have this faith right now. You can have faith that changes the very world around you. That is there for you. You can have faith that changes the world that we live in. What are the ingredients of the Roman's faith that surprised, that amazed, that maybe flabbergasted 
Jesus? What do, we, what do we see that was in his faith? The first, he had faith that was seeing without believing. There was trust in God, confidence. The word we often use in Christianity, he had conviction in it. God is looking for us to trust him. That doesn't mean we don't have questions and doubts. It doesn't mean that we're ever going to have it all figured out. That's why it's faith. It's faith. But it's enough that we say, I'm going to act. It was faith that was lived out. Second, the Roman leader stayed humble. He had a true humble spirit, and that's a big part of this kind of faith. This Roman leader, the authority, remembered his place. And what he was actually doing and looking for was for another. This wasn't for himself. This act was loving and kind and compassionate and caring. Are we looking for God to move from our faith, but for intentions for ourselves or intentions that are fairly selfish? God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. Third and finally, even under the pressure of losing a loved one, the Roman centurion remains respectful. True faith honors God. He didn't pressure Jesus. He didn't pressure Jesus. He's got the, the centurion, have you ever felt this way? He's got the pressure of one of his loved ones dying. That puts pressure on you, right? But he didn't allow that to make him treat Jesus in a way that is not honoring and fitting to Jesus. Even with those pressures, he remains calm and clear to Jesus, holds Jesus in the respect that he deserves, and not just respecting Jesus's power, not just respecting that from a distance Jesus could bring the healing, but respecting that Jesus didn't even need to come to him. Our thoughts and beliefs as to why he stopped Jesus at a distance and said, don't come here, our understanding what that is is because if Jesus came into his presence by Jewish custom, Jesus being in his, a Gentile's presence, would have made Jesus ceremonially like impure and unclean in that moment. And so he was saying, don't come here. I'm not coming to you because I know that will make you impure and I respect you. You don't need to do that. I'm not going to do that to you. You are more than me. You are better than me. I'm not doing that to you, Jesus. I hold you in too high regard to make you go through that. Faith. Faith. When our faith is confident, we trust in God. When it is done and held in a humble spirit, not about us, but for others. And when our faith is held in true respect for God, great things happen. Great things happen in this world. Faith, it is essential. I want you to know, it is natural to have doubts in life. In Scripture, in Mark 9, there's an individual who wanted Jesus to remove an impure spirit from his son. And he said to Jesus, how true are these words? Maybe you've never felt these. I feel these. He said to Jesus, I do believe. But what else did he say? Help my unbelief. Have you ever felt that? I do believe, God. Help my unbelief. How real are those words? We doubt, we wonder, we question, we worry. Do we have what it takes? I want to clear up just a few things. As a pastor, I often get the question of how we know that we are saved and going to heaven because that 
that falls on our faith. And if we get that, that's a big question. How do I know I have the faith that's going to get me to heaven? It is natural to wonder those questions and to wonder if our faith is strong enough. We wonder that. We've prayed the prayers. We've said the right words. We've confessed our sins. We believe all the right things. But is it enough? How do I know? How do I know? May we remember that faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains, and it doesn't even take that to secure our eternity. It doesn't even take that to secure our eternity. Further, I would encourage you of this. If you are really worried that you don't have enough faith, tell this to people all the time, if you are really worried that you don't have enough faith, even that worry speaks to where you are placing your hope. You know what that means? You have the faith. You are saved. Be confident. Be secure. You are saved. Hold on to it. And further than, you want more confidence in it? Look to your life and if it has changed. Look to your actions of love that make no sense in this selfish world. Look to your kind words. Look to the moments where you pause your mouth, where you pause your brain, where you think a little bit differently. If you want to know that your faith is real, look to those moments where you are different. You are saved. Your faith is real. But there's more here. That is not actually the point of this scripture, I believe, and this message. The point of this moment, the surprise for us all, what I want us all to hear is this. There is power in our faith if it is lived out. There is power in your faith. There is power in your faith. Faith is meant to be lived. I don't know how to measure faith. I don't know how to measure mine. Our faith buckets, I know this, that we carry around with us, they will never be completely full. There is always more room to grow, more faith to achieve. I know that I need more faith than I have right now, and I want more faith than I have right now, and moments are coming in the future where I'm going to need more faith. But I also know this, right now, in this moment, measurement doesn't matter. We have, you have, all the faith that you need to change the world. All that you need is there right now. You have all the faith to change your world if you'll just live it. If you'll just live it out with conviction, with humility, with, with, with respect. Just live your faith. It was meant to be lived. It was meant to be lived. I asked myself this, this question that led me through this moment in Scripture. I asked myself, and I encourage you to ask yourself this question, am I living, are we living in a way that allows our faith to impact the world around me? Am I living in a way that my life is really truly impacted by faith? Does my faith, do I live it out in a way that it impacts my family? Do I allow it to impact my work and the people around me at work? Do I allow it to impact my connections with other Christians, with non-Christians? Does my faith play a part? Or am I in this world missing out on what God could do because I've held my faith in here and I haven't lived it out there? This message series is called, Then They Met Jesus. Have you worked out the funny moment in this passage of scripture yet? Is it funny to you yet? The series is called, Then They Met Jesus. And the ironic thing is the Roman officer, what did he never do? 
He never met Jesus. He didn't actually meet him. We're talking about people who met Jesus. And the thing is, he didn't actually meet Jesus. But that's the whole point, isn't it? The fact is that he didn't need to meet Jesus. His faith, just believing and acting, it was there and it changed his world. It changed an individual's life. It changed people all around to see something amazing happening. Every single person around this moment left completely and utterly changed from their lives. Because they lived out, he lived out his faith. With just faith lived out, how could my life, how could your life be different right now? How could it be different right now? I know this about myself. I know that I control a lot of things and I see it right now. This maybe strikes home to me a bit in this moment because I'm at a place in life where I've just made some adjustments. Do you ever have a moment in life where like certain health things aren't quite where they want to be and I don't have to get into the specifics of the change I made, blah, 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 whatever. That'll just fan my ego. I'm not doing that like this. But, but so a few weeks ago, I, a few months ago, I needed to make some life changes. And here's the thing, I believe in myself pretty good. And so I made some changes. I'll be honest with you, I prayed about those changes, but I also made some real changes to certain things that just weren't healthy the way I wanted them to be. I'm not talking sin things, I'm just talking health things and some stuff like that. And I believe in myself, and so I made that change. And you know what happened? Change is happening. I start to feel pretty good about that. I don't know about you, but I, I believe in myself. The thing is that this hits me with a little bit is I sometimes wonder if like, if I am believing in myself too much because I can do pretty good in this world. I can do pretty good in this world. I can make changes. I've got power and I've got control. I've got the strength to make some changes, to live differently, to do things, and I can live pretty good in this world. But you know what I can't do? I can't live amazing. I can't live in a world or in a way that surprises others. I can do pretty good, but I want amazing. I want surprising. That only comes from living out faith in God. I was challenged this week. Because here I am in a lot of my life, leaning into myself, and like I said, I can do pretty good. I think a lot of us here, most of us here, all of us here, we can do pretty good, can't we? You can do pretty good on your own. You know it. A lot of you are Pennsylvania Dutch people. You've done pretty good most of your life. You've made hard, good decisions. You can do pretty good on your own. I was challenged this week because I'm doing things that are pretty good. I'm looking at my teenage daughter. She started, she's in junior high. It's kind of tough, right? Kids are difficult and annoying and rude and all those things. Like, I'm just being honest with you. She starts taking her Bible into school. She goes to public school. She starts taking her Bible into school to read at lunch with other kids. I think about the faith that that takes to do that. I take my Bible here. It's kind of expected. <laughs> More than that, I hear about how she has trouble with some of her friends because they find out she's Christian and they live lifestyles different to her. And she's still kind and loving and caring to them. And even though they'll give her a hard time about her Christianity, they'll still come to her because she's a safe person to be around. 
And I don't even know if anything in my life shows that kind of faith, that kind of reliance on God to get me through every moment. I want to be that every day. I want that kind of faith every single day where I have to live on God doing something amazing because here's what I know he will. I finished with this thought, surprise. I want to surprise the world. I want people to be amazed by what they see in my life because of Jesus. I want to be surprised by what God does in my own life. I want to live every day in the hope that God is going to show up and things are going to be even better. I want surprise for my family. I want them to be glasses half full kind of people because with God, the glass is always running over. I want surprises, good surprises around every corner. I want to live counting on surprises. And I want my church to have countless surprises, countless stories of incredible things happening again and again and again. And I want just maybe, just maybe to be the kind of person that could flabbergast Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible? To one day meet Jesus and have him tell me that I surprised him, that I amazed him. I can do that and so can you. We can do that with our faith if we will live it. It can be my story and it can be your story. It can be your family's story. It can be our church's story. It can be what the world sees in us. That only happens by one thing, faith. Faith that is lived. Faith that is lived. We're going to close in a little bit different of way in this moment. See, I don't know about you, but for me, I've got some spots in my life where I see I've been living on the pretty good I can do and not on the amazing that he can do. I've got a few challenges. I've been intentional about making some connections in community with non-Christians where I've leaned on my pretty good, my smile, my ability to make someone laugh, and that's going to bring someone to church. And I probably haven't been opening up and stepping out in faith in that the way I could and should. It's done okay. It's done pretty good. I'm ready for amazing. If you have a spot in your life where you want that right now, where you're saying to yourself, in this relationship, in my work with certain spots, in a faith step that I need to make in my business or in my life or with my family or with my world, if there's a spot where I know I've been leaning on my pretty good and I'm ready to make a different kind of step that leans fully on God, I'm going to invite you to do something very simple here, online at Person, uh, at Lee Heighton or Palmerton. If you're online, Share this in the chat and ask for prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple, which is just to stand. Start your faith journey in this. Start your faith step in this. Just stand and allow those around you to pray for you. To pray for you that you would, you would be able to take that step from pretty good to amazing faith in God. I'm going to give you just a second. If you would like to stand, if you are at Palmerton and Lee Heighton, I encourage you just to stand if you would like to make that statement. God, I'm done with pretty good. I'm leaning in to you. Go ahead if you would. You can do this, and this can be your story. For those gathered around these individuals, I want to encourage you in this. If you feel comfortable and you know them and you want to lightly put a hand on their shoulder, feel free to do that and pray for them. If not, I'm just going to ask that you reach your hand out to these individuals. Reach your hand out and pray for them now in this moment. Reach out. If you're joining us online, 
Share that prayer online. Pray for each other. Take this moment. Pray in this moment. The truth is, this is just that first little step. Standing is the first little step of this faith, isn't it? But the hard thing is, is we have to leave here and then we have to do the real step of faith out there. We have to have the hard conversation. We have to carry the Bible with us. We have to take that step. Whatever that is, we have to go out there and do it. So this moment is about prayer to say, God, help me do it. Help me to step forward in faith. I encourage you, those around, seated around, would you just reach out in prayer to those around you? Please lift them in prayer. Let's pray now. God in heaven, God above. God, I believe like probably everybody here, I've seen your hand in this world. I know that you are real. God, I believe. God, I believe in the great things you've done in this world. I believe, I, I believe and I, I confidently will say, God, I am saved. I am saved and I know, I know where my eternity is. But God, I want something here and now. I know that there can be more. God, I've lived on my pretty good for a while. And God, I want more of that. And God, I pray for each individual here, standing or not, God, that you would guide them in taking a step out in faith past their own pretty good into the amazing, the surprising, the wondrous that only you can bring. And so God, I pray over each individual right now and God, I ask that in whatever that faith step is, it might be with a conversation with their family, it might be a business step in life, it might be making a financial risk, it might be a faith step in their health, it might be in a relationship, it might be in having a Christian conversation with someone that scares them beyond meaning. I don't know what it is, God, you've laid it on their heart. God, I ask that right now, you would give them the strength, the faith, the encouragement to step forward in this world, God, and to live for you. Bless them, God. They are going to, over the next day or so, until that decision needs to be made, they're going to be filled with all kinds of excuses as to why not to do it. They're going to be filled with all kinds of pressures just to make the same normal decisions. Help them not to, God. Help them to step out in faith for you. And God, for each and every one of us here this morning, help us to live out our faith. May it not just be something in our hearts. May it be something in our actions, our choices, and our words, God. May our faith be real. Fill us with that truth, God. We love you, and we are thankful for you in our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name by the power of his blood and sacrifice. Amen.